It's Friday, and welcome back to Lunch Plus. Welcome. Yeah. Why, the reason that our intro is a little bit longer, because the crab trees got pulled up. So we had to do some adjustments. So thanks for hanging with us for an extra minute 30 while we got the camera set and ready. But thank you for being here. Really what it was is we delayed until George could be an audience member. Hey, we were just stalling for so him to get here So it's all George's fault. Yeah. So blame George. Yeah, so if you're frustrated that it didn't start right at 12.02, it's George Nauer's fault. He's on Facebook. You can send him a direct message. While you are hopping on, make sure that you share, <laughs> make sure that you share the broadcast. Pastor Brian is going to be with us today. It's going to be a great one, so make sure that you share it. It's going to be awesome. And... Comment. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're watching from. So that way we can say hello to you. Lisa Land says, hey, love y'all. We love you. Mark Presley on YouTube. I don't know what your message means. It's dot, 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 MB. <laughs> so we were guessing if it was a typo or what the MB stood for. Johnny says, hello. Kevin says, good afternoon. What's right, fam? George says, hi. Kevin, darn it, George. <laughs> So, Kevin, you probably need to make it up to George. Or, George, you need to make it up to Kevin. That's the way I meant it. George says hi. George is giving me a weird look in the background, but George is the one that got to sleep in a little bit extra today. So he probably has more reading skills than I have at this exact moment. <laughs> While you're hopping on, yesterday, Buddy, Serena, George, and I got to hang out with pastors. And you know how on the broadcast, Buddy believed that pastor was going to be on his side about the pineapple? No, I don't recall this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did this happen? Yesterday, Buddy very, very strongly believed that pineapple should not be allowed on pizza. Very strongly, he believed this. And he thought pastor would also back this. <laughs> Is there something you want to say? No. <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> I think we should get to the questions. <laughs> if you can't tell, Pastor did not agree. So today, in <laughs> honor of Buddy, I created three questions, or I found three questions. I didn't create them. I found three questions that Pastor probably is going to have very scientific reasoning for why one of them is correct. Mm -hmm. So place your guesses for when Pastor gets here on which side is right. But question number one. Bum, bum, bum. Which is more pie? Shepherd's pie or pizza pie? Which one is more pie? That's, I feel like that's an obvious question. I started off with more of an easy one. Okay. 
I would say Shepard's fine. Okay, I guess it's not obvious. Oh, I would say Shepard's fine. Hey. What, are you, what are you talking Paris about? Paris and I are in the same, same wavelength. You okay. typically are. Man, why, why is pizza more of a pie? Well, a pie is a crust with stuff on top of it. Shepard's pie is just a conglomeration of stuff, not no. on a crust. Actually, I, don't, Usually I guess a pie, I don't. I think of a pie as deeper, and so like with, and unless you're having like Chicago style pie, like pizza pie, I like feel deep like, dish, yeah, yeah. Like deep dish. Mm -hmm. I usually, I wouldn't think of it, because then it's just like a flat pie, and you never really see a flat pie. Mm -hmm. And the shepherd's That's my pie typically yeah. has like yes. a crust <laughs> Thanks, on the Kevin. bottom and a crust yeah. on the top. Most typically shepherd's pie will. Like they'll have the potatoes, the corn, the meat, whatever, all the way through, <laughs> but it's layered with pastry. <laughs> I'm starting to learn that my opinions, my opinions are, are wrong. I'm not I'm really wrong. curious to what happens <laughs> when Pasha gets in. Abby says shepherd's yes. pie. Kevin says shepherd's pie. Kevin also obviously. said pineapple on pizza is the apocrypha of pizza. Well, mm. apocrypha is a really good word, and that's the part of the comment that I'm paying attention to. <laughs> George says, Kevin Nowicki busting out the big words because it's Friday. <laughs> because it's Friday. <laughs> Pastor says shepherd's unless it's Chicago deep that's dish. That's what I said. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought, I thought me and Pastor were more spiritually um, in tuned with, with these types of things. But. Okay, so when it's Chicago deep dish pizza, now you're bringing up a, a good point, Pastor. If it's Chicago deep dish versus shepherd's pie, which one is more pie at that point? If it's deep dish versus shepherd's. I would say deep dish. I've never had I deep dish, so I feel mine. like I can't I have. <laughs> yeah, just stick to <laughs> I would not know. George says shepherd's pie, but then there's Chicago deep dish. Okay. Wait, so is there a crust on shepherd's pie? What is yeah, shepherd's yeah. pie? Shepherd's pie is like... <laughs> I kind of don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it has something to do with it. I, I, isn't it just like a mixture of like like bread and, and mashed potatoes and, and not, corn? It has the crust, and it's like a um, mixture of ground beef and uh, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes mm -hmm. and peas and... Uh, maybe some corn and carrots, and like with a little bit of a creamy sauce. Sounds more like a casserole Barrett's to gotcha. me. Shepherd's pie. It's kind of like... Uh, it looks more like a casserole to me. Some of them yeah, have sure. crust on top of them. Like I know I've had shepherd's pie before where it's like a crust on top. Okay, that, that would be more like a pie. See, now people are agreeing with you that oh, deep thanks. dish yeah. is more of a Thank pie. Thank you guys. If we bring Appreciate the deep dish in, except Which for is Johnny. Which a pizza. Johnny, oh no, Johnny is deep dish. Yeah, deep no, dish Johnny changed all week yeah. long and twice it. on Sunday. Well, I feel like George is just picking the one that he likes to eat the most because Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> you're standing behind the camera, but you're still picking which That's one you like the most. That's an answer. That's a good answer <laughs> because Kevin says oh. a good shepherd's pie has crust, potatoes, corn, and lamb meat. That's Johnny, true. Johnny says that the topping is mashed potatoes. I do remember that. Yeah. So it's not like an actual crust. Yeah. I think I've had it both ways, but I think traditionally that's the most common way to do it. Yeah. And I'm probably just like inserting like chicken pot pie sort of thing, like mm. where I'm, I'm meshing the two. Pastor says shepherds, but in my heart, Chicago, because I like it more. <laughs> Still shepherds. Ah. But, so then, but in his heart, which is not deceitful. <laughs> which is not deceitful. Chicago. Are you saying you the answer the is deceitful right now? No, I'm saying Chicago is right. <laughs> so then what would be more, Chicago pizza or chicken pot pie? Chicken pot pie is for sure more pie than Chicago deep dish pizza. I would say so too. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
I'd rather not share my opinion. <laughs> okay, since pastor's on, I want to go to question number two. Here we go. This is one I figured he probably has a science too. What is the correct way to put on shoes? Sock, sock, then shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? What? Assuming, like... Do, do people do sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to, like, honestly think of which one I do more com... <laughs> George, just put your foot in there. <laughs> That's the correct way to put on shoes. Put your foot in I would say sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Because a lot of times I have my socks on for a while before I put on my shoes anyways. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, do you have your socks next to your shoes? Or no. do you put your socks on whenever you put the rest of your clothes on? I typically put, <laughs> I don't put socks on until I'm about to put my shoes on. Oh. So I think I will do either. I'm, I think I'm most commonly sock, sock, shoe, shoe, but I, nope. I'm pretty split down. No! <gasps> wow. <laughs> Pastor um. says, sock shoe, then sock shoe. Only so you don't say shoe shoe. <laughs> okay. yeah. I, I almost got worried for a second. Okay, I want to know which side people are on because we're getting like intense comments from Marky going, ew, no. But I, that doesn't tell me which way she's doing it. That's true. And Kevin Th- says, seriously. Do you seriously, just not like talking about feet? <laughs> is that what it is? Kevin says, seriously, what's the matter with you people? But I don't know what that means for you. I like, think how that you means, why are on? we talking about this? <laughs> like, Johnny says Johnny, he puts his okay. socks on first. Mm-hmm. That's the normal way. I think I typically, I think I typically will do sock, shoe, sock, shoe. I think that's what I normally do. Interesting. I'll do it either, but I think that's what I do. I guess con- George said, complete the sock putting on process first. <laughs> Then both shoes, one at a time. Marky says that she does sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Good. Johnny good does socks on first. Abby says both socks, then both shoes. Okay. Socks <laughs> Pastor, Pastor says that he does socks, then shoes. You have no idea how intentional I'm being to make sure that I am pronouncing the ah in socks instead of saying it quickly and saying it like the you version of it. Oh, like, I that's like, funny. What's that? Socks? <laughs> Marky says, do you have one whole shoe tied also before the next sock? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Kevin says, no condemnation, but as long as your socks are inside your shoes, you're good. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're on your feet. <laughs> Tuck them in there. <laughs> as long as they're inside the shoe. Yep. I guess, I guess follow-up question. When you tie your shoes, do you do bunny ears or do you the other way? I do. How else do you do that? I don't do bunny ears. You don't do bunny how ears? How do you tie your well, shoes? I don't know okay, how so to explain it. I, I can I, show you the proper way to tie shoes. We can go through that. <laughs> no, I'm literally so, moving the table back to see what you're doing. So, actually, I don't think they'll be able to see it from, from there. I, I believe that. Abby says you're good. Oh, I'm yeah. good? You can see it? Okay, well. You don't use bunny there's ears actually, either? What are you I, doing? I never, tie, I never tie my shoes. Um, only, obviously, I've only done them once because there's a way to tie your shoes where they won't come untied, if you didn't know this. Uh, it starts off with a bunny ear. I loop a, yeah, see, like, like, people do this way. This is the way that you do that's not bunny ear. That yeah, I, I don't do, do that one. Well, I do that one. Marky, I'm really confused. Like, I'm so <laughs> why, why am I giving you guys right a, a lesson on how to tie your shoes? <laughs> Marky, this is called 
this is called wasting time until Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Um, what is the difference between Mar what Marky just said? Like, I always assume bunny ears is is exactly what she no, no, said. No. She loops it around. No, you you do one and loop it around that way, and then is that not bunny? That's ears? not bunny. No. Ears. What's bunny ears? Bunny ears is you make two loops. So you don't do bunny ears. See, like no. bunny bunny ears, okay, and bunny then you, ears. and then you wrap it around. Well, that would have been way easier but, to know when I talked to you how to teach kids how to tie their shoes. But if you want to no tie your shoes to where they don't come untied, I had to learn this in soccer um, because my, my I would like spend half of the game tying my shoes. Um, you you start off with bunny ears, but instead of just looping one around, you you loop the other around the opposite way. No, it never comes. So back. it's like a double bunny ear, and then your shoes actually never come untied. I'm. I'm really fascinated with this process right now. Literally, like, I've had these shoes for about a year, and I that was my first time untying them. Like, I, they never come untied. I'm mostly mind-blown with the fact that I've thought that what I've been doing has been called bunny ears this whole time, and, <laughs> and for it's sure not. it's not. <laughs> not at all. Well, that's, that's great. Thanks for coming to my personal self-discovery right now. We're here to help teach people. Apparently, yeah. we're here we're, to, like, expand we're here. foundations. We're here. To meet the needs of the people. I was double just about to ask important. about double knots. I believe firmly in double knots. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's yeah, really. Yeah, well, the problem with double knot is it's knot. like miserable to untie. It's not and, awful. And it still can come untied. It, double knots can still come untied. <laughs> I would double knot my shoes all the time <laughs> in soccer and they still came untied. This is Buddy's version of the shepherd's pie versus pizza right now. Like, this, is, this is what's happening. I, see, I, I want to be like Pastor, where I can explain <laughs> it in a way that people are like, you know what? My opinion's wrong. And it's not working. <laughs> it's not working very well. Uh, I was today years old, Johnny, when I realized that what I was doing was not <laughs> called bunny knots or bunny ears. Okay, last question. Also a very intensely debatable one. This one I will not participate. Is cheesecake actually cheese pie? No. But there's a lot of pie talk right there now. There is. There's a lot of pie talking right now. Cheese pie. But I was um. curious as to whether or not, because technically it's cream cheese, lots of sugar, but hmm. there are pies like chocolate mousse pie, mm -hmm. like th that are more of that sort of texture. Mm -hmm. I even pulled a buddy and looked up the definition of what pie was to determine whether or not <laughs> my, this could my be My phone's back in my seat, so I had no, I had no chance. <laughs> what was the definition of pie? So the definition of pie is... 3.147. Yep, yeah. that's what it is. So there's the one from the New Oxford American Dictionary that says it's a baked dish of fruit, meat, and vegetables, typically with a top and base of pastry. However, then there's also the Merriam-Webster definition that allocates custards into this mm. definition as well. So then it comes down to texture. But it's, then it comes, George says, okay, Kevin says cheesecake is its own classification altogether. <laughs> Abby says that she thinks so. Abby, I love you. George says cheesecake is cake, hence why it's called cake. Johnny says no. Marky says, now I want cheesecake. I want cheesecake now, too, Marky. <laughs> yes. Um, it's not cake. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Even though it's called cheesecake? Because cake... I don't really care. According <laughs> to... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> that was really fun to watch. Cake, according to the dictionary, is an item of soft, Ooh. sweet food made from a mixture of flour, shortening, eggs, sugar, and other ingredients. Is flour and cheesecake? I don't think so. 
Yeah. I've never made one, so I, I don't think either. so. Uh, I, I have. Right without looking at the definition. <laughs> I have made a cheesecake. I don't remember if it was flour. <laughs> I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I said there's no flour in cheesecake. I was right without lis lif uh, listening to the definition. Apparently, a cheesecake is the unifier of the brethren wow. because there's a lot. <laughs> life. I want cheesecake. I want cheesecake with blueberries. <laughs> I want cheesecake with blueberries on top. Cheesecake is life. I want the caramel apple cheesecake that, what was it, blueberry or apple crumb? It was blueberry. Blueberry that we had in Texas, Abigail and mm. I had. Holy mm. cow. George and I but took. But there was an apple the year before <laughs> after that was also well. George and I took Buddy and Serena out for dinner last week, and I introduced Serena to the best cheesecake here Amazing. at 73 oh, in yeah. Maine. Mm -hmm. where I've it's not literally... had that yet. We need mm. to do that soon yeah, because agreed. It's, it's great. We do need to do it. George is mocking in the background, but he doesn't super like cheesecake. Yeah, Johnny so. said there's no flour in cheesecake. Haha, so, so it's a pie. Beautiful. It's a cheese pie. All right. There's That's no just flour in cheesecake. I want some cheese pie. <laughs> that just sounds so nasty. My mom made. That's why they. I bet that's why they named it that. So this is really good, but nobody's going to be interested in cheese pie. That's true. I know. Let's call it cheesecake. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, growing up, my mom would make cheeseburger pie. That's what she called it. Cheeseburger pie. It was my least favorite meal. Cheeseburger pie. Yeah, it was basically like a cheeseburger kind of casserole. Like, Why yeah. was it your least favorite meal? Because I hated it. <laughs> because. That's why. Because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because. Take that. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Wow. <laughs> and where is everybody today? I don't What's know. What's the deal? Kevin asks what the best crust for cheesecake is. Graham cracker. Mm -hmm. No, crushed up that, not the Oreo thing. Mince, pe mince meat pie is a pie because the internet says that it's pie. either fruit, pastry, or fruit, pastry, vegetables, or meat, which also means that by definition, shepherd's pie would be more of a pie than pizza. More than pizza. More than pizza. That's why I said that's the answer, but not in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Awesome. Well, hey, share the broadcast, and uh, it's going to be a great day. We're going to talk more about the man who would be king, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So, amen. amen. Um, <laughs> Y'all ready to go? <laughs> I'm wondering how we're going to do this gracefully since you're, you're up here and you have to, like, detach all your mics. It's Aww. pretty funny. It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll just you, rip them out. You know yeah. what I really like is I really like uh, Kevin... That's hey, sweet. Every day. <laughs> I really like Kevin. He's like, hello, what's right, family. Uh -huh. That blesses me every day. I see mm -hmm. it. So, Kevin, we love you. Very much. And I do like you, even though Buddy made a joke about it. I do actually like you. So, that's good. But, yeah, I like that. He says that every day. So, mm -hmm. no Oreo cookie shell. No. Mm. I have had okay, that. Okay, I got another question. Did you see Serena? You started talking. Oh, like, oh no. hold on. <laughs> I have had Oreo, <laughs> Oreo uh, shell with peanut butter mousse, and that's really good. I will say that. I could see that. Mm -hmm. I that's all I have to say. <laughs> so, we had. Uh, <laughs> so worth it. It was. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize it. I apologize. Her face just was really great when she realized. Uh, really, it. I would have liked. I need to go back and watch. So. <laughs> Dang it, I missed it. Um, 
So um, one of the things that we all introduced the I'd heard about it, but I not played it. Y'all introduced the Jackbox game, so we mm. played more. There was one called Faker on there. Have oh, you yeah. played that? That yeah, was fun. It. We were laughing at that. But um, anyway, we were playing Jackbox games last night. It was good. Um, let's see. Cheesecake Factory. What's your favorite cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory? White chocolate raspberry cheesecake. Wow, Ooh. that was quick. Boom. White chocolate raspberry cheesecake. Mm -hmm. It's the one cheesecake. that George and I will split when we go. It what is, is great. your favorite cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory? I thought you were pointing to George. I'm like, I, 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 I well, just, I'm pointing I just to him too. Pointing <laughs> to him too. It's like I, I, I thought I said so. Have y'all been there? Cheesecake I've been there a few times and I really enjoy it, but I haven't been there enough to have a favorite yet. Oh I've, yeah, I've been there once and I didn't have cheesecake. Ah, uh, they have like <laughs> okay, million cheesecakes. <laughs> I, I actually didn't like cheesecake all growing up until recently. Yeah, I like it now, yeah. But sorry. Cheese, no, no. Cheesecake is one of those foods that I don't like chocolate versions of it. Like I, I like either. chocolate with lots of things, either. but not cheesecake. Yes. I don't either. Mm -mm. Not at all. Johnny said red velvet cheesecake. Ooh, true. We've been there with the sweet. shavers before, and that is what Johnny ordered. He was pretty excited. So there is one here. Uh, in Charlotte yeah. at the mall. Oh. I was telling Serena about the yeah. other day. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And uh, George says, been too long. I don't remember what else is there, uh, but I do really, really like the one Barrett said. <laughs> fun, fun fact about George, the way to George's food heart is raspberry anything. Oh, raspberry yeah. tea, lemonade, fruit, Ice cream with the fruit on top of it, cakes, brownies with Ice raspberries. Ice cream with <laughs> fruit on top of it, just, just like chopped up fruit? With raspberries, with that oh, fruit on top. Oh, okay. With raspberries on top of every dessert will minister to George W. Nauer. <laughs> George W. Nauer. George W. Nauer. <laughs> All those hearts on the screen right there are George. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> True, though. George and Kevin are having their own little conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, George, you made a friend. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, George and I, on the way home the last night, mm -hmm. sang the entire way home because George was determined to beat the rain, so he made up his own song of, I'm going to beat the rain, I'm going to beat the rain. <laughs> Uh oh. George, you and Kevin. Friendship broken. Oh, Kevin said raspberry is awful. I'm and, sorry, George. You were so close. And just like that, Kevin unfriends the man that he just friended. Oh, no. Cheesecake was the unifier, but raspberry <laughs> is the divider. Man. I'm just waiting for George's response now. <laughs> Johnny said that he made, a, this is true, he made a four chocolate cheesecake for wow. Jade with an Oreo crust. Wow. So here's the thing with Johnny. Johnny, like, is, Johnny and baking is the definition of go big or go home. Like, you're not just going to have some sugar. You're going to have all the sugar all in the house. Like, all of it. You're not just going to have some chocolate. You're going to have all the chocolate. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin says, can we talk about guns, George? <laughs> Marky says she likes chocolate and cheesecake. I like that Marky waited until we brought up Johnny's comment for her to feel safe <laughs> enough to vocalize her opinion. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> she wanted at least one more in there. <laughs> can't be alone. That reminds me of Taylor McCaffrey's comment a couple weeks ago where he's like, I get nervous to insert my opinions because you're so strong with all of yours. <laughs> oh my well, my way is not always right. It's just an opinion. Isn't the name of the broadcast, What's Right? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> What's right for your life. I Not had always assumed that I was a chocolate person, though, and then Pastor Nicole expanded my horizons with caramel. I don't think I've had as much caramel as I have by yeah. being her spiritual daughter, and now caramel is my favorite. I, I Ooh, like everything. caramel a lot. So, so she enhanced my knowledge. So everyone down here says caramel. Do you caramel. say caramel? Caramel. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Every time somebody mm -hmm. says caramel, I think of... Um, Augustus Gloop? Caramel? Because that's all oh. I think. Never mind. Okay. Augustus <laughs> I was hoping there would be a connection there. Big <laughs> greeting. No, I go to... Um, what is it? The Chronicles of Narnia and Per Caravel. Uh, uh, where they go, that's what I always think of when somebody gotcha. says caramel. So. Caramel. Or Mount Carmel. I just always oh, assume that caramel is like the hoity-toity way of saying it, like, oh, what? This is the uh, caramel. Oh, like when people say mature? Yes. Mature. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, this I'm so very mature. mature now. <laughs> say that? People say that, yeah. Apparently, Instead I'm of mature. Mature. That's the proper <laughs> way to say it. Mature. Ooh. Just like vase instead of vase. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, go get me that vase for the flowers. <laughs> I mean, there is... Whoa! Johnny, Johnny Shaver. Wow. Maple bacon, so crusted caramel apple cheese. I would eat that. That sounds dangerous. I would absolutely I would, eat that. I would too. Like that sounds tonight, very dangerous. I would eat that tonight. <laughs> I think that's a hint. Johnny, I, I would eat that. <laughs> Johnny, do you want You have about at least 30 minutes before the broadcast is over. How long does it take to make? Marky says that she thinks the way that she says caramel is the only verbal geographical similarity that we've had. <laughs> Seeing it written out, though, I almost said caramel reading it because I, I see the because A. If I see it, mm -hmm. then it makes me want to say it. Kevin says caramel is a city in California. <laughs> caramel is a wonderful candy. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, caramel is a mountain that a bunch of heathens got burned on. Or they didn't get Whoa. burned. And just like that, buddy, <laughs> came alive. Bunch of heathens. <laughs> got slaughtered on. Yeah, they got the fire came down. Kevin, I need you to know that since your proclamation of raspberries, George has kind of sunk down in his seat. <laughs> his, hands, his head is in his hands. <laughs> he's now leaving the room like he's leaving the broadcast. I feel like you probably have some unifying to do between Johnny, the brethren. Johnny says, I'm still at work. <laughs> Kevin and I got schooled by Buddy Craig. <laughs> awesome. I'm really trying to say. Okay, George is back now. I feel better. Oh, oh. he went for his <laughs> his mint run. Okay, so George George has this intense thing with peppermints here. He will not. So okay, another polarizing question. I'll get back to George. Chocolate and mint. Together, go. Yes. No. Yes, yes, George yes. in the back says no. <laughs> I, don't nah, I want mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mm -hmm. Andy's okay. mints are some of my favorites. Yes. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wait, wait, so you're yes, yes, yes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to stay <laughs> I have discovered with George, though, that George, okay, 
remind me which way it is. There's a certain way that George will eat it. He won't eat it if it's more chocolate than mint, but he'll eat it if it's more mint than chocolate. Like, there's certain things that he'll eat. So, like, Andy's he'll eat because there's more mint than chocolate. Mm. But York's peppermint patty he won't because there's more chocolate than mint. Okay. Okay. So he's a very interesting. That's not true. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) There is more mint in a patty than there is chocolate. But there must, so it's not more, it's a ratio then. There's your science. There's your science. <laughs> I know you like this. <laughs> but like thin mint cookies, those are great. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so George. I guess I'm with George. George. Like, um, unless it's toothpaste or like a mint or gum, I, I don't want mint on anything else. Like, I just, I don't see. So going back to that like comment where George says mint anything is like brushing his teeth, this is what happens with George. George wants to always have his teeth clean, so he believes that if he eats like 20 candy mints, that it's the same thing as brushing his 20 teeth. 20 sugar <laughs> candy mints. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just it this is very interesting. <laughs> so Deb, like for Christmas a couple of years ago, yeah, yeah. gave him like those jumbo bags Five of mints. Five pound bag. That's great. And he was done with them very quickly. Yeah. Wow. I have to say growing up, like the mint chocolate chip ice cream was my favorite Mm -hmm. but i have grown out of mint uh recently like in the last few years i Mm. don't care for it as much although i'll i'll have it but i just don't i don't as much as i used to i think which is interesting i think i like the grasshopper better than the mint chip like grasshoppers where it's like the oreo cookies in with the mint ice cream that's pretty good Instead yeah. of just the chips, I prefer that. <laughs> Deb said, five more pounds of Starbright mints coming your way, George. <laughs> George says he thought he was eating it because I was hungry. I didn't know I ate them to brush my teeth. <laughs> yes, you do. You talk about that. We've had this chat, but it's okay. It's also your way of staying awake. That does happen. <laughs> George, after Deb said he was going to, she was going to get him five more bags. <laughs> Thanks, George. Enabler. Thanks, Enabler. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump in uh, to it. Thank you guys for opening up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm really interested to see how y'all do this. This will be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our new chairs. It's much more comfortable than That's the stool. That's impressive. <laughs> and then we're going to fix the camera. I feel so alone. <laughs> I'm good with being alone. <laughs> It's a, uh, I'm, I'm good with uh, having some time. Thank you for moving that table there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hello. This one. That one. Hello. They were trying to tell me, go to that camera. Go to that camera. Hey, so let's turn to 1 Samuel 26. And uh, we promised to not uh, lead every, every uh, broadcast off with 30 minutes of food talk, but... It seemed like the thing to do today. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 26, talking about the man who would be king. Um, let's look at, we have people over on uh, YouTube as well. You can join us there on YouTube, uh, on Periscope, on, on Facebook. But uh, share the broadcast if you haven't done that already. Let's look at the man who would be king, the man who would be uh the man who would be a leader, who would be uh, what God wants us to be. 
the person who would be a servant leader, who would be a Sunday school teacher, who would be a discipler, who would be a minister, uh, or an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Uh, we're looking in 1 Samuel 26, if you've been paying attention, you know that David had spared Saul, and Saul had repented, and then all of a sudden he goes over to the, um, he goes a couple of chapters, and now uh, Saul's trying to kill him again. And so as he's trying to kill him, uh, he comes up and he's got 3,000 men with him, and David says, who will go with me? We've talked about it a couple of episodes about the importance of having somebody that will be available and skilled to go with you. And then we see Abner, who is Saul's right-hand man, and the Lord brings him up. Uh, but Abishai says, I'll go with you, David. So imagine the courage that that took for two of them to go in between 3,000 soldiers that were trying to kill them. And so then we go down, and uh, let's, look at, uh, let's look at verse 6, start there. 1 Samuel 26, verse 6. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the people were lying around him. So what we talked about uh, a couple of days ago is the fact that Abner, why did the Holy Spirit point out Abner? It's the importance of people that are drawn to be a team. It's in the importance of upholding the anointing and not just, it's not just about us. It's about who God has placed us with. And he's pointing out Abner's responsibility and the responsibility that's been missed. And you'll see that a little bit later. Verse 8, then Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Now therefore, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke, and I will not strike him a second time. In other words, David, I'll handle your business. God's given us your enemy. He's trying to kill us again, and here he is. And we've got him. I'll strike him for you. It won't be you, and I'll take him out. And he says, and I'll do it uh, with uh, skill. I won't do it. I won't have to do it twice. I'll get it right. And then he says in verse 9, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? Now hear that. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? Now, if you, one of the things, I'm not going to get into teaching this today, but there's a teaching that uh, Tracy Harris does, says that the, the tongue is, or the words that we speak is the hand of the spirit man. And so many times what you see is that people will put their words on somebody that's anointed by God. I see it all the time. I see people that will, they'll have somebody that they disagree with their doctrine and so they will then uh, talk about that person or talk against that person uh, publicly. And they don't realize that this person, even though you may disagree with them, even though they may have done something wrong, you are stretching out your hand to somebody who's been called and anointed by God. And it's dangerous. Uh, not too long ago, I saw uh, 
you know, somebody that has been a pastor, I think that they're uh, called to be a pastor now or they're acting in that, in that role, and they saw another minister that had done something that they did not understand, and they very publicly uh, started putting their mouth on that man and speaking out of ignorance. And I was like, man, don't do that. You don't know what you're doing, and you don't know what all that guy's doing. You think you have an idea of where they're coming from, but you don't in your immaturity, and you're, you're putting yourself in danger, and you're harming the witness of other people right now. And, uh, you know, they didn't, I don't think that they listened to me. Uh, basically, they, they stuck by, and I, I just started praying right then for the person because I actually do know the anointing that that person's walking in. I know they're called by God. I know the great ministry that they have, and this is somebody who's not done anywhere close to that level of ministry acting like they know something, and that's where you have to be very mindful. And you can touch God's anointing with your words. And especially if you make it public like that. So I've watched this happen um, many times. You know, I, we were joking earlier, and I was saying I'm not always right. And then Buddy said, you know, this is, it's, isn't it called what's right? And it is. We're finding the things that God has said is right, and we're passing those on. But it's also what's right, like my last name right, W-R-I-G-H-T. And it's always that. I'm always right if it's W-R-I-G-H-T. But I'm not always right if it's just the R-I-G-H-T. I have missed it plenty. Uh, but what we want to, what we have found that is right and that works, we want to pass it on uh, to whoever wants to also grow in the right things of God. Uh, but I can tell you, I've missed it so many times. But let me let me tell you this: uh, just because I've missed it doesn't mean that I'm not called or not anointed. And literally, we have watched people put their words on the ministry. And it has caused great harm to their lives. And I've seen that time and time again. There was a period of time where I did not be- know if I believed in that. I'd heard it, but I wasn't sure if it was actually so. And I have found now it is without question so. It is absolutely something you don't do. And it doesn't mean that the people that you're talking about wrongly don't miss it. It doesn't matter if they miss it as much as it matters if they're called and they're anointed and they're still going after the things of God. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, one time uh, one time I had a situation, I've shared this multiple times, I had a situation where I watched somebody who was a very public minister and uh, I saw them in what I could tell was an error. And I still believe that what I could tell was an error in how they were handling the doctrine. Uh, And so I had been openly saying some things against that person, uh, not necessarily like getting on and trying to broadcast about it, but if I would be in conversation, I would challenge that. And so I would I would talk about that uh, and how that was wrong and they needed you know to kind of look at it a different way. Well, sure enough, the Lord got on to me. He said that man is called and anointed by me. And basically, he was saying in context, it's not your job to judge whether or not he's hearing and doing right. That's my job. And I was like, ooh, ooh, sorry. And then the Lord said this to me. 
Now that, what I just said, was in context, but he said this directly to me. He said, and if you would shut up and listen, you would actually learn something from him. And I was like, ooh, I am so sorry, Jesus. And I very quickly repented and had to, had to change the way that I looked at things and change uh, the way that I, I talked about certain things. I had to make sure that I was not judging that person in my heart because they were called of God. They were called of God, and I didn't, I didn't see it. I definitely didn't honor it. And the Lord was protecting me by telling me to shut up. And uh, it's very important that we don't touch uh, God's anointed, even, even with our mouth. Um, we need to make sure that we are aware of what God is up to uh, that's bigger and beyond what we can see. God is up to so much more beyond what we can see. And we don't want to touch God's anointed in that way. Uh, we, don't, we don't know everything that God's using. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that back to me. I was trying to think of a situation. Uh, one time, I've seen this play out multiple times now uh, in you know, over 11 years as pastoring. I've watched this happen even before I was pastoring. So here's the situation. Somebody comes into the ministry, maybe they come to church or they just watch it online and all of a sudden they will not like something or they disagree with the doctrine. And so then uh, they will start talking bad about the ministry, they won't come back. But the thing is, you don't have to say anything about it. If some, and the Bible tells us very clearly, if they're preaching Jesus if they're preaching the gospel, leave them alone. Don't touch them. Don't, if they're preaching Jesus, shut your mouth. <laughs> you know, d leave them alone. Now, that's different if you are like uh, uh, sincerely called to be a prophet in the land and God gives you a prophecy to that person and you have a relationship and a fellowship with that person and God tells you to go deliver it to that person. That's not what I'm talking about. But how many people are going to qualify for that? Not a lot of people. That's not going to be the majority of people. It, if somebody is preaching Jesus, the best thing we can do is leave them alone and let the Holy Spirit deal with them. And if we think that they're missing, with, missing it, pray in the Holy Ghost for that person. Pray in the Holy Ghost for that. For that. God is merciful. God is graceful. And uh, so we've had people, I've watched this so many times, where uh, they disagree with something and they start talking about it. Well, then all of a sudden, because they're talking about it, it puts them in a bad position. And then all of a sudden, uh, their child rises up. So their, their son, their daughter, or a family member needs help. And I can tell that God wants to connect that child with us to get them the truth that will set them free, but because the parent has talked bad, the child can't receive anything from the ministry. So the very solution that that parent is so desperately crying out from, they've already killed it with their, with their mouth. And I've watched this so many times as people have, have you know, 
talked bad about a ministry or talked bad about a minister, and all of a sudden, when that minister could give them the help to their family, there's no help to be had because any witness that they have has been destroyed. I watch many times as people will come on, uh, many people will come on like a Facebook post, and a minister put something out there, and maybe the context isn't completely clear to just the ordinary passerby. Maybe it was out of a message, uh, and there was context around it, but they give the main point. And so then all of a sudden, somebody will come by, and they feel like it's their God-given duty to correct the minister there. But here's what they don't know. They don't know who's sitting there who needs freedom Let's say that the minister uh, put something out about prosperity on Facebook, but on Sunday they're going to be preaching the word on healing, and there's somebody who is deathly sick that needs the word on healing on Sunday, but on Tuesday they the prosperity message that that person who needs healing has no problem with. But some well-to-do, you know, goody-two-shoes who thinks it's their job to police the whole body of Christ comes to that Facebook post and says, wow, that's just wrong. What about this scripture? And it doesn't matter if they're right or not. The person who needs healing on Sunday sees that comment and it draws doubt in about the ministry of that person. And then all of a sudden, that doubt about the ministry of the person on Sunday when that person who's deathly ill needs faith and needs to believe in the ministry and in the minister so that they can receive the word, they can't do it. Whose account do you think, who do you think is going to be responsible for that? Well, that person, they're, they're responsible for their own faith. But who taught them the wrong doctrine back over here? The, one, the goody two-shoes who thought that they were helping out Jesus by attacking a minister. Even if I see a minister putting up something wrong, for the most part, I don't attack them. I don't go after them unless they are like that one guy the other, that I was talking about. You're personally, openly attacking another minister. I'm trying to support that other minister so other, everybody doesn't think that this is, the, this is just the right way. You're actually tearing down a ministry to make yourself look important. You don't do that. And so who's going to be held responsible for it? The person who's now causing that issue there. It's like you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You have to be very mindful uh, to just, you know, how much stuff is there about God that you don't know? How much stuff is there about God that I don't know? A lot. There's a lot I don't know about God. And I find the further down the road that I go and the more I study this word, the less I, I knew than what I thought I knew. I find that there's so much. Amen. Holly goes, a lot I don't know. I know. Me too, Holly. It, here's the thing. The more I get into God, the more I find out there's so much about God that I don't know. Then why is it out of the realm of possibility that I think that I know every doctrine that's out there. And that's where we have to walk in humility. We have to say, okay, this minister says this, and I don't understand it, but I may, see, I may have been preached to a wrong doctrine all my life, and I'm looking at that thinking that it's wrong. But if I'll get humble, maybe what they said was actually right. And that's why I'll tell people, look, 
be willing to take all of your pet doctrines and put them on the altar again. And if it survives the fire of God, then it was God. But if it doesn't, then throw it away. That is a great thing to do. The, the, something that's been sitting on me recently is the importance of the importance of being willing to throw away a doctrine, but also the importance of testing the spirits. Well, the spirits are not just representing you know, spirit beings, but the doctrines that go along with the spirit. It says that in the last days that many people will fall prey to doctrines of devils. And so just because you hear a doctrine doesn't mean it's of God, and you need to go into the Word. Let the Bible and Scripture be your standard and test those things. Be willing to take your pet doctrines and put them on the altar and let the fire of God come down and burn away all the chaff so that you can have only what God says. Because you've got to understand, even in the garden, the devil gave Adam and Eve some factual, and he even spoke a couple of truths. But he mixed some, some lies in there with it, and all of a sudden now the whole thing is corrupted. So he pulled a little bit of truth, a little bit of fact, and a little bit of lies. He blended it all together, and it was a package that caused the fall of mankind. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be those kind of people, which means we must humble ourselves and get hungry and make the word the standard. Make the word the standard of everything that we know. Make scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit the standard of everything that we know. And this is so important for us to walk in. And so many times the reason why people will attack God's anointed is because they feel like their position is right. And this is, amen, Buddy said, the word is our standard. Put that in the comments. The word is our standard. This is something that we need to work on, is we need to make sure that we understand that we don't know everything yet. We, the Bible is so very clear. We see through a glass darkly. Uh, now, the glory of the Lord and the light of the Lord is getting brighter and brighter every day in our lives if we give ourselves but we need to be very mindful. It should be a big, we talked about it this, this Sunday. Let me tell you, this past Sunday's message, uh, it was a word on time, not only for our church. You can go to boomerangchurch.org or go to the Facebook or the YouTube and take a look at it. It was a word on time for taking our thoughts, Captain. One of the things I was talking about is set, set in your mind a mindset. A trap that's set so that when you cross certain areas of life, there'll be a red flag that comes up. Let this be a red flag. If I start to speak against a ministry or a minister, anybody who's carrying an anointing or could possibly be carrying an anointing, could possibly be carrying an anointing, that should be a red flag to me that says stop it, it's not worth it. Don't travel near there. And uh, let that be a red flag to you. And that's what David was saying this. He says, watch this. Watch what he says, verse 9. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? In other words, you will be guilty the moment you speak it. The moment you speak it. Verse 10. David also said, as the Lord lives... Surely the Lord will strike him, or his day will come that he dies, or he will go down into battle and perish. 
Surely as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or as day will come that he dies, or he will go down into battle and perish. In other words, David, a leader's uh, character understands that the Lord is his protector and the Lord is his defender. He's not going to put on defense of himself. The Lord will handle that business. So he's saying, look, you don't, we don't have to take care of this. This is the Lord's business. And we're not going to inject ourselves into the Lord's business. We're going to back up and we're going to let the Lord do what he does. And so over in Acts, you see uh, one, of the, one of the Pharisees had a very smart uh, very smart point when he said they were getting ready to come against the Christians that was called the way, and they were getting ready to come against them. He said, look, if this is of God, he said, if this is not of God, it will come to an end, and you won't have to worry about it. It'll come to an end. But if it's not of God, you may, I mean, if it is of God, you may find yourself fighting against God himself because there's things we don't know. And so this is the same point that David's making here. All right, so now look at verse 10, or excuse me, verse 11. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointing. But now, please take the spear that is at his head and the jug of water and let us go. Take the spear that's at his head and the jug of water and let us go. Verse 12, so David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head, and they went away, but no one saw or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the mountain at a distance with a large area between them. Smart. <laughs> David called to the people, and he called to Abner, the son of Ner. He called to Abner. He said, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner replied, Who are you who calls to the king? Now, isn't, look at this. He's not just talking to Saul. He's talking to Abner. He's calling Abner out. This is the Holy Ghost calling Abner out. Hey, right-hand guy. Hey, right-hand guy. What's up with this? And look at this. It's almost, watch this. It's like David is helping King Saul by getting the right-hand guy to say, hey, you, you need to step it up a little bit. You need to step it up. See, if he was truly an enemy of Saul, he wouldn't. He, All right, I've got a right-hand guy who's failing at his job. Let him be. I might need to use that later. But he's even in this moment, he's trying to help Saul. Hey, Abner, wake up. What, what's going on? Then he says this. Uh, verse 15, so David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord the king? For one of the people came to destroy the king, your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you must surely die because you did not guard your lord, the Lord's anointing. Oh my goodness. Look at David's, look at David's question here. Look at his question. He's like getting on to all of Saul's men because they didn't protect Saul, the one who's trying to kill him. He's still standing up for Saul. 
It's like, oh my goodness, look at, look at this heart that David has. No wonder God can say about David. No wonder he can say, I found a man who's after my heart who will do all of my will. This, look at this. The guy's trying to kill him, and he's still trying to help Saul, and he's correcting his men like you didn't protect him. You didn't protect God's anointing. Now watch this. A good leader has a high esteem on the anointed people of God and the ones that are carrying an anointing. So not just the people, but a ministry. A good leader has a high esteem on somebody who's carrying the anointing. Oh, that leaders in the community, mayors, sheriffs, police chiefs, city council members, would have such an esteem on the anointed ones of God, they could take their area and their community straight up if they would learn to esteem the anointed people of God. Because the anointed people of God can give one word, one word can change everything. One word and the whole area changes. Business comes in. Uh, life, uh, life being stolen goes away. You know, people overdosing can go away. So see, it's very important. David esteemed the Lord's anointed. He had the anointed person of God and the, the people that were carrying that anointing, a high esteem, enough so that even when Saul was trying to kill him, he was still trying to protect that anointing. This is something that we not only need in the church, but we also need it in our area and in our communities. We need to walk in these things. And then he says, he says, look, in verse 16, he says, As the Lord lives, all of you must surely die, because you did not guard your Lord, the Lord's anointing. And now, see, where is the king's spear and the jug of water that was at his head? Where is the king's spear and the jug of water that was at his head? Then Saul recognized David's voice and says, Is this your voice, my son David? And David said, It's my voice, my lord the king. He also said, why then is my Lord pursuing his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, listen to the words of his servant. Look, now watch this. David is anointed. David is anointed at this point to be king. And now Saul, the, the presence the presence of the Lord is not with Saul anymore. But look at the wording of David, who's anointed to be king. King, anointed of God, I'm your servant. That's how, David's, that's how David is addressing Saul. King, the anointed person of God, I, and in parentheses, who actually am anointed to be king, and I have a right to ascend to the throne, am your servant. Can you see this humility that's on David? Can you see why he's chosen to be king and why he would be known as the great king? Can you see why God chose him for his heart? Why then is my Lord, you're my Lord, you're my king, you're the anointed one of God, even though David's anointed why is my Lord pursuing his servant? I'm your servant. What have I done? What evil is in my hand? 
Now, therefore, please let the Lord, uh, let my Lord the king listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is men, cursed are they before the Lord. For they have driven me out today so that I would have no attachment with the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now then, do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to search for a single flea, just as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. I'm nothing in your sight. You're the king. You're the anointed one. I'm a flea. Look at this heart of humility on David. And he actually is carrying an anointing. He's actually carrying this anointing. Then Saul said, I have sinned. And I want, I want you to see this. We talked about it before. Here's Saul in complete deception. Again, Saul comes into the presence of somebody who's actually carrying the anointing and, and the deception is removed and comes clear. But remember, just a couple of chapters ago, that same clarity came and he stepped out of the anointing and the deception came right back. And I've told you that I've seen this myself multiple times. I didn't understand this principle. I was very confused uh, for a number of years because I'd watch how I would have conversations with people and everything would be so clear and we'd be on the same page and high-fiving and hugging and tears of joy. And then a week later, you know, they'd be mad again. I'm like, what in the world happened? I don't understand what happened. And it was because... What happened was when they came under the anointing, the anointing breaks every yoke and it clears up that area. But then if they've created an atmosphere and an environment where uh, demonic thoughts or negative thoughts can happen, then if they don't handle that environment, they'll step right back into the environment of deception and within just a short period of time, they'll be deceived. This is how this works. And so you see here, Saul is... He's seen clearly, I've sinned. Return, my son David, for I will not harm you again because my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have committed a serious error. Man, can you imagine what David's men are saying right now? Glory to God. Finally, we don't have to be on the run anymore. Saul sees his error and he's repenting Maybe this time it'll take. David replied, Behold the spear of the king. Now let one of the young men come over and take it. The Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. The Lord will repay for each his righteousness and his faithfulness. And then what he's saying here is he's saying basically, Saul, the Lord's going to repay what you do and how you think in your heart. And the Lord's going to repay me. I could have killed you for a second time, but I spared your life. I'm honoring God. I'm honoring the anointing. And the Lord will repay that thing. He will repay. And he says this. He says, he, I refuse my, 
to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Verse 24, now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may my life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me from all distress. I like what David's doing here. He's not just saying, may my life be highly valued in your eyes, because the fact is Saul's eyes, now, right now, he's sitting under anointing, but next week he might not be. In his eyes, it could change. But David's putting himself in the Lord's hand. May my life be highly valued in the eyes of the Lord, because I know that even if you miss it again, Saul, the Lord can protect me. Lord, I just, I ask you that, our lives would be highly valued in your, in your eyes. That our lives would be highly valued. Verse 25. Then Saul said to David, Blessed are you, my son, David. You will both accomplish much and surely prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Now I want you to see something. In verse 21, Saul says this to David. He says, return, my son, for I will not harm you again because my life was precious in your sight. Now he's made this promise to him. I won't harm you. But I want you to see that as soon as this conversation was over, David went one way, Saul went another. And then in chapter 27, 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, I want you to see something. It says, then David said to himself, now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape into the lands of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me any more in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So right here in the midst of this, I believe that David has a supernatural word from the Lord showing that even though Saul said those words, and I believe in the moment Saul's heart was behind those words, David knew by the hand of the Lord that's called to protect him, he's not going to uphold it. He's going he's to continue to chase you, hunt you down, and try to kill you until you're dead if you don't do something different. And the Lord gave him direction to get out of there. And this is where we learn. See, now watch this. Do you think that this would have been upheld if David would have tried to protect himself? I don't think so. But when David said, Lord, I'm going to honor who you anointed, then God, he, the word says, if you honor me, I will honor you. In other words, he has putting God on the spot saying, look, Lord, I honored you. And now God has no other choice but to honor David. So in the middle of this, when Saul's telling him one thing, the Lord says, no, you are, your life is in my hands and I will protect you. Here's the way that you need to go. And it saved his life. And so one of the things that we need to see is the importance of how, how big it is to honor God's things. And just because one person says something doesn't mean that they're going to uphold it. As a minister, I've found uh, many times, I found this to be true before I ever started ministry, that people lie. 
People lie. That actually, I was, I was never really somebody who, who told a bunch of lies, even as a kid. I just didn't do that. So that was very foreign to me. But I remember getting into industry and getting into one of my first jobs. And I was so confused because I would have my results would tell me one thing and people would tell me something else. And I was like, this just doesn't match up. It doesn't make any sense. Why am I getting different results from what they're saying? And finally, after a couple of years of just real frustration, I figured this out. People lie. People just don't tell the truth a lot of times, and a lot of times they don't even know that they're lying. They don't even remember. I remember one time I had a friend, and uh, he, was, he was sitting there, and he told something to somebody, and I knew as soon as he said it, I was like, that's a lie, that's not true. And I also knew this, I knew, I knew that this is, <laughs> but he quoted, people lie, it's true. And uh, so I knew this, my friend told a lie, but I also knew this, there was no reason for the lie. He had, there was no reason. There was nothing to defend. It was just he had gotten so much in the habit of lying, he didn't even catch it. And I said, man, as soon as the person left, I said, why did you lie about that? You had no reason. And he went, I don't know. I don't know. Here's the thing. People may lie. People may do the wrong thing. People may try to extend their hand against you. But if we will honor God and put ourselves in righteousness and put ourselves in the place of honor in, and humble ourselves in the hand of the Lord, God will protect you. God will defend you. Many times over the years, I've heard the Lord speak it to my, to my spirit. I am your defender. I am your defender. Amen. Barrett said, people lie, but God cannot lie. He will not lie. And he will uphold his word. But here's, I've heard the Lord say this, I'm your defender. I will protect you. I will hold you up and keep you from evil. I will hold you up and keep you from harm. People may lie, but I will uphold you. And so I've learned that even if somebody is telling me the truth or not telling me the truth, if I will simply listen to what the Lord says, he will have me in the place of protection. He will have me in the place where God can be a blessing to me. God can protect me. God can uphold me. God can, God can promote me. God can give me favor. And he'll do that for anybody. He'll do that for you today. The key is, are we honoring God? Are we honoring his anointing? Are we honoring what he's up to and giving ourselves to that? And it doesn't matter what people do. What matters is, do I know God? Do I know my Lord? Do I know my Savior? And do I trust him? In uh, John 17, let's go there real quick. John 17. John 17, this is a prayer that he's praying over his uh, disciples. And he says, he prays it for all of his disciples, even the ones, if you go down uh, to verse 20, it says, John 17, 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So I'm not just asking for the ones that are sitting here in front of me. I'm asking this 
for everybody who will believe in Christ through their word. And he says this in verse 15. He says, I do not ask you, Father, to take my people or my disciples out of the world. So some people are always looking for an escape out of this world. Well, I sure do hope that the Lord comes quickly. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is for us to be the light in the middle of a dark world. And when we understand who we are and what we're called to, we don't fear that darkness. We overcome the darkness. But he says, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them. From the evil one. See, instead of, look, we need to have a hope. We need to have a major hope that Christ is coming soon because He is. He could come any minute. He could come this afternoon before we even finish this broadcast. He could, he could come at any second now. He's coming soon. Are we ready? But if He doesn't come in the next few minutes, in the next few days, then are we doing what he's called us to do? Are we found doing what God wants us to do? Are we winning souls? Are we making disciples? Are we studying to show ourselves approved? Are we doing what God wants us to do? He's not looking just to give us an escape from a corrupted world. He's looking to get us to be the light, the salt and the light. He's looking to get us to be who we're called to be. And he says, look, Watch this, verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Jesus himself prayed that you would be kept. Jesus himself prayed that you would be protected. Jesus himself prayed that you would be protected from anything the enemy throws at you. And just like David, as we honor God, we'll find ourselves in those positions of protection. And we need to make sure that we protect, we're protected by simply walking with Christ, walking in faith. And so we ask right now, Lord, let your prayer come true. Lord, don't just take us out of the world, but let us be the light of God, the salt and the light of God. And Lord, let us honor you. Let us honor your anointed one. Let us honor Jesus by continuing to fulfill his mission that we would be the body of Christ. But Lord, we know that in the midst of it, even in the worst places, that we are kept from the evil one. We are kept from the evil one. Lord, just put it in the comments right now. I am kept from the evil one in Jesus' name. I am kept from the evil one. I am kept from the evil one. Speak it, confess it, let it be on you. I am kept from the evil one. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We praise you, we love you, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We love you. It's going to be a great, great day. I pray that you have a great weekend. I pray that you got some more out of this, learning how to be the leader that God has called you to be. And Father, right now, I just ask for your blessing to be poured out on them in every way. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. We just praise you, we worship you, and we give you the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, thank you for rising up lives, for raising lives up to new places in you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just put it in the comments. You know, God is working right now on your behalf right now. Just thank him. Thank him in the comments right now. Lord, right now, you are working on my behalf. You are working on my behalf. Thank you, Lord, for your hand in my life. Thank you, Father, for your hand in my life. In Jesus' name, we praise you, we worship you, and we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. As always, as always, uh, this broadcast is given to you and sown into your life. If you feel like uh, the Lord is leading you to sow into the good news uh, going out, you can go to givebc.org, givebc.org, or if you're on Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate and the amount that you'd like to sow. And we just believe that anybody who's given, it may be pressed down, shaken together, and running over in their lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your will coming through we just give you all of the glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We praise you and we worship you. Amen, amen. We love you. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next Monday at noon for Lunch Plus. Bye-bye. Have a great day.